Welcome to the Mission Cleveland weekly podcast. Encouragement and hope in a despairing world. to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ had has made clear to me and I will make every effort effort to see that after my departure you will always be able to remember these things for we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we were told you about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in power but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty He received honor and glory from the God, the Father, when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. We also have the prophetic message as someone completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it. As to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The word of our Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 9. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. Christ. You may be seated. I'd like to ask everyone to close their eyes for a moment. And don't worry, I'm not going to do any sort of camp meeting or revival type technique here. So, you know, your your heartbeat can slow down a little bit, okay? Let's close your eyes for just a moment. And I want you to put yourself in the shoes of Peter, James, or John. And Jesus comes to you and he says, hey, I want you to come with me on top of a mountain to pray. So you go out with Jesus, with your companions, and you climb a mountain. 
And on that mountain, Jesus begins to pray, and then you begin to pray. And as time goes on, you get sleepy, and you catch yourself dozing off. Then you come to your senses. You open your eyes, and you see Jesus. But he looks a little bit differently. His clothes are bright, and his face looks a little bit differently. And you see him speaking with two people that you immediately recognize as Moses and Elijah, the great patriarchs. You hear them speaking of Jesus going to Jerusalem and suffering and dying but this makes absolutely no sense to you. As they begin to walk off, a cloud comes over you and your friends, and you are terrified, and you freeze. And just when you freeze, you hear a voice, and you know that this has to be the voice of God, and it says, this is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Then you look up and notice that Jesus is alone, and you sit there perplexed, wondering what in the world just happened. You may open your eyes. So the word transfiguration is another word for transformed. It describes Jesus' appearance on top of the mountain. It was transformed. And in most academic circles, it's understood as a myth because of the, the way it is told. Um, it's common in, in ancient uh, times to write stories about the hero and to um, embellish the details or to, uh, to make them seem like they are this otherworldly figure. Um, I do not think it's a myth. Um, it is told in three of the synoptic and all three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it is also told in 2 Peter 1, the text that was read earlier that Lisa read to us. And in ancient Jewish thought, uh, the righteous are transformed in the future world. Um, so this is a vision about what is to come. It's, it's a glimpse of the future, a foretaste of what is to come. So we can't read the transfiguration story without understanding the context that surrounds the transfiguration story. Uh, in Luke chapter 9, Herod asked the question, who then is this that I keep hearing about? And then later in Luke, in, in chapter 9, verses 18, Jesus asks, who do the crowd say that I am? It's, it's a question about identity. Who is Jesus? That's what the transfiguration story seeks to answer. But when Jesus asks, who do the crowds say that I am? It leads Peter to make the confession that he is the Messiah, and then it leads Jesus to tell about his destiny, that yes, I am the Messiah, but I must suffer and die and be raised on the third day. And then he immediately follows that with, not just that, but if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself and take up your cross and not be ashamed of my teachings. So you have to read the transfiguration 
against this backdrop. In other words, Jesus' exalted identity cannot be separated from his journey through suffering and death. Jesus' journey through suffering and death is inextricably tied to his exalted identity. You do not get the glorified Savior without the one who has been slain. So a few main points I want to make about this passage. One is this passage is permeated with Old Testament allusions, and some of you all probably recognize some of those, and I'm just going to go through a few of those here. So it is, the setting is on a mountain, which immediately should call to mind Mount Sinai. The mountain also is a favorite prayer spot for Jesus. It also references Jesus' face changing or being transformed. Just like the text that Father Luke read at the beginning of the service about Moses' face radiating with glory. So it's a, an allusion to that. There's also a, re a reference that Peter says, misguided as it may be, to tents, or that's the same word that's used for tabernacles, an obvious Old Testament allusion as well. The cloud is a common symbol of the divine presence. In Exodus 13, God shows up in a pillar of cloud by day. In Exodus 34, God comes down on Mount Sinai in the cloud. The response to this cloud is one of fear which is typical of a theophany, of a God showing, you know, a God appearance. People get afraid, which is what happened in the book of Exodus when God did show up at Mount Sinai. It says those in the camp trembled. It also calls Jesus the chosen one, which is an allusion to Isaiah chapter 42, which is talking about the suffering servant, the chosen one. It also says, when God speaks, to listen to him, which is an allusion to Deuteronomy 18.15, where it is, Moses says that God will raise up another prophet like him and to listen to him. Okay? Moses and Elijah are speaking to Jesus also about his departure. The word there that's used is exodus. They're speaking to Jesus about his exodus. I searched for an English translation that would use that word, but it didn't. They used departure, but that's an obvious allusion. That is no accident. Uh, the biblical authors are master storytellers. They put those little clues in the text for a reason. They speak to Jesus about his exodus in chapter 9, verse 31. So the main point of so many exodus allusions is Luke is telling us that Jesus' mission is its own exodus of sorts. Jesus releases others from the bondage of sin and death, and he liberates us. And we are captive and imprisoned, and he is the one who rescues us. It's a new exodus. There's actually, in New Testament theology, there's this theme called the new exodus. A guy named Rick Watts has written a book about it. But it's this idea of all these Exodus themes being played out in the New Testament because Jesus is the liberator, much like God delivered uh, Israel from, uh, from Pharaoh and from Egypt. So I want to make a point here to say that 
it's really important, I feel like, for us not to neglect our Old Testament. And I think that that's an easy temptation that we often fall into. We often will stick to the New Testament because the Old Testament is old. Uh, but, yeah, it's old, so it's extinct or not important anymore. Uh, but we must, you cannot fully understand the New Testament without a proper understanding of the Old. And in fact, the Old Testament was the Bible for the first Christians. So I'm just going to leave that right there. Second main point I want to make is God most often reveals himself to us in prayer. We see this in the text that this happened while he was praying. The grammatical construction is used while he was praying. It happened as he was praying. God also speaks at Jesus' baptism. God says, you are my son, my beloved, and you I am well pleased. That's while Jesus was praying in the, in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus prays on the mountain before he chooses his disciples. Jesus is praying when Peter confesses him as Messiah. In other words, prayer is a sacred time where God can reveal himself to us and we can be given a glimpse of new creation. And prayer, I want to say, is far more than intercessory. And I'll speak more about this uh, shortly, of other types of prayer that we can do uh, that may make us more aware of God's presence. And we're trying to incorporate more of this at Mission Cleveland through our mission communities or other things that we may do to help expand our horizons for understanding prayer in a little bit bigger ways. Um, a third point I want to make is that the climax of this text are God's spoken words. And he says three things, that Jesus is God's son, that he has chosen, and to listen to him. Listen to him. That's what I want to focus on for just a moment. There are a lot of voices that we can listen to, a cacophony of voices from various viewpoints in various media, podcasts, uh, talk radio, uh, cable news, whatever. Does anybody still have cable? I don't know. Social media, there are a lot of voices that we can listen to and that people are listening to right now. Um, but we must never neglect to listen to the voice of Jesus. Amen? That's why we have a weekly gospel reading, because the voice of Jesus is so important. And one of God's main words here, this is my son, the main command, this is my son who is chosen, the on only command is listen to him. Never neglect to listen to Jesus. I also want to highlight the humanity, uh, the human element or the weakness of the disciples. In 9.32, they were very sleepy, very sleepy. Many of us often live life very sleepy as well. Some of you may be sleeping right now as I'm speaking. Um, in fact, it's often said, and people uh, you know, speak about this sometimes, that driving sleepy uh, is very similar to driving drunk. In fact, if you've gone uh, without sleep for 24 hours, um, it, is, uh, it, it is the same as someone having a blood alcohol content of 0 0.10, which is higher than the legal limit of 0 0.08. So when you're sleepy, it's hard to pay attention to your surrounding and what's going on. Um, 
What is going on around you in your life right now that you are not paying attention to? Where are you asleep? And where can you see God at work? Where might God be telling you, look at my glory, but we're asleep? I want to take just a second to emphasize here the uh, contemplative stream of Christianity. Um, I've mentioned different prayer practices more than just intercessory prayer, and a few of them, uh, one in the contemplative stream of Christianity is called centering prayer, uh, and then there is another contemplative practice called Lectio Divina, and then another one called the Daily Examine. And I would say these three practices, amongst many others, provide us with an opportunity to develop habits that help us to stay fully awake. So I feel that we need to discover, rediscover anew the contemplative stream of Christianity with the prayer practices that it gives us to help us stay awake. And I'm serious, you learn about some of these things, it's like, wow. Like, I'm paying attention to my day now. Like, you start doing a daily examine, and you just pay attention to your day. Where is God at work? Like, it's, it's morning, and I go through this every night, you know? Like, where is God at work in the morning? Where, where did I see God in, in the afternoon? And it helps you to stay awake to where God might be present. So... <clears throat> I want to ask you, how long has it been uh, since you've been to a mountain where God can reveal himself to you and wake you up? The transfiguration was for the benefit of the disciples. At Jesus' baptism, he uses the pronoun you. You are my beloved son, and you I am well pleased. But here, he does not. He, he is speaking to the disciples. Listen to him, he says. The transfiguration is for the benefit of the disciples so that they could be strengthened for the trials that were to come. So let us be thankful for those mountaintop experiences. But we cannot set up tents and stay there. We have to come down from the mountain. We cannot live on the mountain. So challenging days lie ahead for all of us. What are ways that you can take the glorious Savior with you in hard places and let his glory shine through you? So Moses, Elijah, and Jesus represent all God has done throughout history to show his great love for his people. Just think of it that way. Why is... Why is Moses and Elijah there? Some people say it's the law and the prophets. It could also be these represent all God has done through his people to show his love for them and to rescue them. In, in what ways do you need to know God's love today? What do you need to look back to? What event, what figure, what story do you need to look back to today in order to be reminded that God loves you? In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Thanks for listening. Join us at the Mission Cleveland next week.